Welcome to This Week in Sparkling Water. I'm your host, Kiwaki Maxon. For some reason, as soon as I turn the microphone on, <laughs> sometimes it's like I can't talk anymore. It's like my tongue is too big right now. How's everyone doing? Sparkling Water podcast. We're live. First, maybe it's appropriate to talk about the, um, the place and the idea formerly known as the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. A little protest update. I went there. Or maybe start from the beginning. I think my first instinct was... I heard about it and I felt like it seemed very, very beside the point to have a place where you're suggesting that you're fucking seceding from the United States by calling it an autonomous zone. And then I also felt like it was unnecessarily heavily referring to all these concepts and names from communist China. Like in communist China, they have the Xinjiang autonomous zone is what the western third of the country is called. They have like 20 other autonomous zones for different ethnic minorities in the south. They have all these autonomous zones. And then also they took the sign where it says Seattle Police Department and they wrote Seattle People's Department. And I just don't believe that Chinese-style communism is what we're going for. I'm not even dismissing communism outright. I'm just saying I don't think that's what anyone is going for here. So to adopt all the language of that just seems like a misnomer, just seems like you're going in the wrong direction. It's like how somewhere in Seattle there's like a statue of Lenin for no reason. It's like, okay, you have a statue of Lenin? I mean, I guess that's maybe just like an American contrarian thing because communism has a terrible brand around here, so it's like cool and really, really deeply ultimate counterculture to have a statue of Lenin. Did they take that statue down? I don't know. Whatever. You know what? Doesn't even matter. Okay, so maybe I need to start from the beginning, because maybe people don't even know what I'm talking about. George Floyd was murdered by a police officer. Riots ensued. Riots and protests happened all over America, mostly peaceful protests. And then in Seattle, those protests, a lot of them centered in Capitol Hill around a police station around there, the East Precinct Police Station. And after days and days of protesters sort of like circling the police station, the cops just kind of gave up on going to work there because it was too, I guess it was just not practical to show up in the morning and have to go through hundreds, like a wall of hundreds of hostile protesters just to go in to get to the coffee maker and make yourself a cup of, cup of joe. You know, I guess that wasn't feasible or something. So they just stopped going to the police station. They boarded everything up in the wee hours of the night. One of those days, they just left. That's the story I've been told. And some version of that is true, I believe. Initial observation there. I think it's fascinating that it's boarded up. The outside of it is vandalized. They sprayed graffiti all over it. They have control of the whole area. There are no cops anywhere in this like six-block area that they call the, that the protesters are controlling. They have barricades all around it. Cops can't go in. There are also no cops, like, right outside. Like, I was really expecting there to be cops right outside, but but no, that's not the case. 
what I'm my first thought also is like they didn't go into the police station. Like why don't like if you've won the war now, aren't you gonna go into the police station and look? Like what's it like in there? Aren't you gonna destroy the police station? Isn't that the whole point? But they didn't, and that's clearly good, honestly. Because this whole thing is a war of perceptions and it's a war of ideas and it's a war of winning over the silent white mainstream majority. That's what this is all about. You have to win over the hearts and minds of the Midwestern moms who, in the end, control the political process. And they're doing a very good job. My first initial thought was a, I had a sort of negative reaction to it where I felt like it was beside the point. I felt like um, it seemed like too much of a party. And honestly, the timeline of this was that my girlfriend got so fucking mad at me for saying that it was because, you know, I grew up in I was born in Malmo. I grew up around there. And when you take the train over the bridge to Copenhagen, there's this place, there's this area in Copenhagen called Christiania. And that's really the vibe I was getting. Christiania is this place where these sort of aging communists and young people who fancy themselves as anarchists, but they're really not very well read, they hang out there and it's a place where you can go and walk down the street and someone will have a little booth out on the street with just pieces of hash out in the open where they just sell weed. They just sell drugs out in the open, for example. And there's like art painted on the walls and there are these people existing in a sort of homelessness limbo. And I mean, it's interesting. You could really, you could dig down pretty deep, but but the, the thing that it has turned into is a tourist attraction. Like, it's somewhere where people go. Like, people like myself when I was a teenager. Like, it's interesting to go there when you're young and just look at it. And just look at, like, what is it like to have just complete anarchy in a part of a city. And it's like this sort of abandoned industrial area. Lots of dilapidated buildings. People kind of living there. But when I went there, decades after the fact, like it's still alive. Christiana is still a thing. Every couple of decades, every decade there's a moment where they sort of talk about maybe shutting it down and going in and cleaning it up and turning it into Denmark again. (laughs) But they never do. But when I went there, after it had been around for decades, it's not nice. It's not a nice vibe. It's not, like, successful in any way. It's people who live there who want it to be something that it isn't and that it wasn't and that it will never be, some sort of dream utopia other thing. Like, Denmark is fine, y'all. Like, what are you complaining about? You're in Denmark. Like, just walk out of Christiania and you're in Denmark and everything is great. You go there and it's like a, it's a very hostile, unfriendly vibe because you go there as a sort of a anarchism tourist and people hate on you for, for looking at it like it's some sort of a communism Disneyland because it is. And you go there and they sell you the hash and they are real mad. They do it real begrudgingly, you know? This is all just so like um, dated now because now weed is just legal in fucking 
30% of all white people countries. So anyway, you have Christiania, and that's like where my, that's what my frame of reference is. And I really didn't want this to turn into a thing like that. And then I'm sort of carefully complaining a little bit like that. And then my girlfriend immediately gets real pissed off at me for not supporting the cause, you know? And then, honestly, 12 hours after I started complaining, black Twitter just blew up and started complaining in the exact same way where all these tweets are like, we have fought too hard and this movement is too long coming and what we're trying to do here is too big and too important for a bunch of white asshole youngsters to start some sort of fake-ass tent city and catch Chella vibes. Coachella. That's the thing that everyone suddenly started referencing, that this was turning into Coachella. This was... This was, everyone's catching cello vibes. And when I went there, that's what everyone was saying. Because <laughs> there's people just standing around with megaphones, just kind of pontificating. And everyone was like, this is not Coachella. <laughs> and it's not Coachella. So, okay. So the, the timeline of it was like that. I was first skeptical. And then I got in trouble for being skeptical. And then it turned out that a lot of other people were skeptical. And then suddenly I got in less trouble for being skeptical because it seemed more valid to be skeptical. And then I went there and, you know, why did I go there? I mean, I don't know. I went there for the same shitty reasons that everyone is going there now. Everyone's just going there for the selfies, you know? And it's more than selfies. And the point of the story, though, is that I, they won me over. They did. Because they, um, they are keeping everyone in line. They didn't loot the police station. They, everyone's wearing a mask. It's not turning into a super spreader event. So much of this is like, it's the protesters having to work so much harder than they should have to. It really reminds me of that quote where like, someone said that the presidency of Barack Obama was that he walked on ice for eight years and he never fell. Like, he was held to such a high standard, and still he never failed that standard. They never caught him in any real trouble. He always was a very respectable, intelligent, thoughtful man who didn't make a single mistake, pretty much. I mean, you can talk about policy, you can disagree about policy, but as a man, they needed, they really wanted to call him a thug, and they wanted to do some sort of racist attack on him. Like, racist America really wanted to find something to pin on him to prove that black people can't be president, that he was just like some sort of monkey compared to all these preceding white presidents. And he walked on ice and he never fell. And then you have President Donald Trump, who, I mean, now I can't even remember the quote that's like the continuation of it. I mean, there's different versions, but it's like something to the effect of he walked on ice and he fell through the ice and he never drowns, you know? Because he's held to such a low standard and he fucks up every single time and still he never drowns. So it's like this incredibly unfair situation. And so much of it, this whole situation with protesters versus police echoes so much of that for me where the protesters are held to this incredibly high standard where 
there's so much frustration over so much injustice and people freak out and start rioting and start looting and they're not allowed to have that emotion and destroy property as a reaction to someone murdering someone. You can't mistake looting for like some sort of political thought or like some sort of ideology or some sort of result of a something from a think tank. People going in the streets and fucking rioting and looting is is an emotion. Like that's not that's not trying to improve anything. That's just a, an emotional reaction to something horrible. Like that's just frustration coming out. No one is saying that we should run our society by looting. Cuz that doesn't make any sense. That's not even anything. But what was I saying about this? And then on the other side you have these police officers who are trained, who are supposed to be trained, who are the people that we give the monopoly on violence and we hold them to not that high of a standard in this country. And somehow all the protesters are very aware of that double standard and they are acting accordingly is what I'm seeing. And they're winning a lot of people over because of that. And it's incredible, really it's incredible where so many opinion polls coming out on questions around policing, police brutality, you know, racial injustices. In the last three, four weeks, people have really softened on this because it's just so blatant. You have someone just be murdered by police and then you have people coming out in the streets and doing peaceful protesting and then you have the cops really kind of not playing it cool. The cops kind of losing their shit over and over and over and just pepper spraying kids in the face and just like beating the shit out of people in the streets as a reaction to peaceful protests. And I feel like Midwestern, Middle America, white bombs are looking at that and really just having a pretty level-headed take on it, which is that these cops are fucking crazy. (laughs) And there's a horrible problem here. Like, there's a horrible, horrible problem here. And saying defund the police and abolish the police is maybe not that crazy of a reaction. Maybe we need to completely get rid of the police and then on the next day see what we can build to take the place of what used to be the police. And that's definitely going to be something that's going to be called the police. And hopefully it's going to be better, you know? But so then I went there. It's like me and me and Marissa went there, the roommate, and I was like, should we bring something? Should we bring supplies? Should I bring like food and water and pizzas and stuff? And she was like, no, we're going in to, to, as a show of support and we just have to go. We don't have to bring anything. So we go and it really feels like you're visiting Antifa Disneyland. You're visiting, it's... It's a the vibe is not totally different than Christiania, where there's this like kind of hostile vibe where people are a little bit like, why are you just walking around here? But it's okay, I guess, you know? So you go, and first of all, they have so many fucking supplies. It's insane. They have like you walk in there and it's there's there's like 40 booths lined up in a row with just Donuts and candy and pastries and granola bars and meals and water, all these different beverages, and everything is free. 
Everything has just been donated. Everything is free. And all over the place, I'm hearing people grab a donut and be like, can I give you a 20 for this donut? And the guy is like, no, you can't because I'm just some guy. I'm not the Black Lives Matter movement. I'm just some white guy who lives in Seattle who's volunteering at this booth. You know, I don't know what to do with your 20. Like, can I give you a 20? It's like everyone just, everyone here has supplies and everyone wants to solve the problem of police brutality. And everyone would love it if the solution to the problem of police brutality in America was that you go on the Safeway website and you order $200 worth of cupcakes and you deliver them to Black Lives Matter headquarters and then the problem of police brutality is solved. Like everyone wants it to be true that if we just donate enough supplies to this thing, it will solve the problem. But really, we're all coming to terms with the fact that this is a long thing that takes political action over time where we need iterative local reform, you know? It's like, we want it to be easy. We want it so bad. I just want to give someone a 20, you know? <laughs> but there's no 20 to get. No, I mean, there is a 20 to give, but there's no one, no one will take my 20, you know? Now, some people will take your 20, and you should give give a 20 up, you know? And um, all the booths around there say, we don't take donations of any kind, but then if you walk all the way over, it's like, we take donations around the corner, you know? And, you know, donate and everything, like, we should donate and, and um, maybe set up some reoccurring donations, you know, all that stuff. But, um, so you're there, everything is free. I had a donut, it was a terrible donut, I had one bite of it, I didn't finish the donut, the donut was free. Um, but I mean, I, I didn't tell them that I didn't like walk into the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone and grab a donut and have one bite of the donut and then like tell them that the donut was bad. Like I'm not a racist. That would make me a racist. And then there's a lot of people and then they, there's, you walk over that iconic street where for the entire width of the, um, street they've written Black Lives Matter, you know? great stuff and then you walk up and there's a sort of center I was standing around there for a bit listening to the people with the megaphone and it's I don't really understand how it's organized there seemed to be a whiteboard where you could write where there were names of who will speak and it seemed like the whiteboard wasn't being used it seemed like the megaphone was kind of just passed around and the interesting thing what I found interesting was that they actually managed to uphold a pretty interesting vibe where it wasn't all hunky-dory, where there was quite a, bit of, quite a bit of hostility on the mic. For example, some guy, some kind of elderly black guy was talking and he was like, yeah, I haven't protested since I was a kid. It's been 56 years since I protested and everyone's clapping. And then he's like, yeah, I mean, it's, you should have a good time and everything. And, and then someone just jumps in and starts screaming from the audience. We're not here to have a good time. This is not fucking Coachella. And it's like, yeah, okay. All right. You're, you're coming in hot. You're coming in hot. Like, you're really kind of yelling at this guy here. And I mean, maybe we need to yell at each other. I don't know. But, and then there was a lot of people 
as soon as someone was rambling a little bit too much, someone would just come in, grab the megaphone and be like, no, no, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. And there would be a lot of like fearlessness because it's really easy to have things. I mean, I don't know. You know, like I used to work at the Swedish Chamber of Commerce in Beijing and we would do these breakfast panels where you see, you take six people and you put them on a panel and you give them a talk babe and you'd let them just kind of talk about it for 60 minutes and you serve little pastries and people show up and people pay, you know, 20 bucks to attend. And and it, it always turns into this thing that even if people have incredibly different political views, for example, and you give them a political topic to talk about, people love agreeing with each other. People love pretending to agree with each other. People love having an agreement vibe. And even if you're following on the heels of someone you don't agree with and you don't agree with what they say, you there's so many things we can say where it's like, where it smooths things over and then a, a minute into what you're saying, you can start saying things that starkly disagree with what, what was just said, but you still want to smooth it over. Like that's such a strong human instinct. And here, with speaker after speaker, I wasn't getting that vibe at all. <laughs> I was getting a it's time to disagree kind of vibe, which is very funny because we're all, you know, I read this one meme on the internet, which, which was like, be kind to people who are traveling in the same direction as you. Basically saying that, you know, if you're pro the Black Lives Matter movement, if you want racial justice for America, if someone else wants that, but they're implementing it in a different way, or they're doing something slightly different, or they're donating to a slightly different cause, or maybe this guy was too silent for too long, whatever, maybe just be a little bit um, charitable, you know, to people who probably agree with you. Yeah. Anyway, I wasn't getting that vibe. And, um, and then I walked around some more, and they have these interesting checkpoints where they put up like barricades of big plastic riot, I don't know, I don't even know what to call it, some sort of rent a fence, and then different layers of fencing of different things, and then in front of it, they have these enormous pickup trucks, and people just kind of sitting on the roof of the pick, pickup truck, and that's like the checkpoint at the perimeter, and it's interesting, you know, they don't check anyone's paperwork, they don't, I thought they were, I heard that they were gonna, but that was probably just Fox News propaganda. But, and then there's like a um, a little booth inside of the area where you can sign up for the night watch if you just want to be the guy sitting on the roof of the, of the um, truck. You know, if you want to be the guy sitting there in the middle of the night. You can do that. It's like, I don't know what that guy's supposed to do. It's it's all very vague, you know, where everyone's just coming up with it as they go. But but I am impressed with how everyone is keeping their heads cool. Everyone is recognizing who we're playing to. Everyone is recognizing that as a protester for racial justice, you have to be so much better than the police macing everyone in the face. And, you know, that's just where it's at. So that's uh, that's the weekly racial update. I thought maybe today for today's episode we were going to do another book of changes, another I Ching. Let's just see what uh, what the book comes up with today. So I, I have a piece of paper, I have uh, three coins that I'm going to be throwing around, and we're gonna we're gonna put together a trigram and we're gonna tell our future here in, in Chinese future. Let's see what's going on. Tail, tail, tail.
heads are three, tails are two. So that's six. Even gives you a broken line. Those are all the instructions. All right. I Ching. Let's do it. Head, tail, head. Eight. Broken line. Head, head, tail. Eight. Broken line. Ooh, three broken lines. That's interesting. Head, tail, tail. Eight. Again. Ooh. What if I get eight? Six broken lines. That's when I really win the I Ching. Head, head, tail. Eight. Again. Ooh, this is really... This is really heating up. Last one. Head, head, tail. Eight. Wow. So that's earth. Earth, earth. That's the second trigram. So the first trigram is six unbroken lines. And then the second trigram is six broken lines. All right, here we go. Number two. Kun, oh, this is definitely the name of my coworker at Sushi Kaputamura, who was a Chinese guy who was in quite a bit of self-denial about being Chinese. I never heard him speak Chinese. And he was a sushi chef over there, and he's rolling sushi rolls. And, and he would always have Chinese people seated, seated right in front of him speaking Chinese. And he would always pretend to not understand them. And I would speak Chinese to them, and we'd have a whole conversation. And then he'd just be standing there, like, pretending not to know what was going on. I always found that so fascinating. Like, why is he so afraid of acknowledging? I mean, it's it's there's a simple interpretation, which is, like, Japanese people have a strong anti-Chinese sentiment, and he worked in a Japanese, very fancy, authentic Japanese place full of Japanese people, and he didn't want to acknowledge that he was Chinese because he didn't want to be the victim of, like, he didn't want people to look down on him. But it's like, we all know that you're Chinese, dude. Like, I don't know. Maybe sometimes you got to own it. He wasn't ready to own it. Quinn. He made everyone call him Quinn. It's like, bro, your name is not Quinn. Don't tell people your name is Quinn. Don't, don't tell people K-U-N in Chinese is pronounced Quinn. It's just not. Bear with things as the earth bears with us. By yielding, by accepting, by nourishing. That's nice. That's nice advice. One more time. Bear with things as the earth bears with us, by yielding, by accepting, by nourishing. That's a really strong, like, humility message. For example, with this protest, I was so ready to be skeptical. I don't know why. Why am I so ready to be skeptical of this protest movement? Like, why do I want to shit on it? One of the fights my girlfriend was trying to have with me is that she kept saying that I always shit on protesters. And she listened to the podcast where I like talked about the Hong Kong protest and how I thought they were beautiful. And she was like, I thought you hated the Hong Kong protest. It's like, bro, how, do, how does she always hear something that's not what I, what I think I'm saying? That's a big mystery to me. Like, is what am I saying to make her always misunderstand what I'm saying about stuff? She thinks I'm a secret conservative. It's the weird thing. Like... Both her and Marissa, <laughs> they both think I'm like some sort of crazy Trump supporter. It's like, dude, I don't know. We have to just yield and be accepting and be nourishing. Couldn't, so let's read the, the, let's just read the description of the trigram here. 
Kun, the receptive, is the complement to Chin, the creative. Is creative, is that the first one? Yeah. The first one is the creative and the second. Oh, creative. That's the Qian, like Qianlong, the Qianlong Emperor. That sort of Qian is the first trigram and then Kun is the second one. Kun, the receptive, is the complement to Chen, the creative, the dark, which is illuminated by light, the earth, which receives the blessings of heaven, the vessel into which nourishment flows. This is a time to follow rather than to lead, to assist rather than to initiate, to listen rather than to talk. Redevote yourself to the cultivation of modesty, receptivity, and gentleness now, and let go of concerns about the conduct of others or the progress of your worldly ambitions. Man! You know what that is? That is a description of a white ally right there. That is what it is. It's a time to follow rather than to lead, to assist rather than to initiate, to listen rather than talk. Redevote yourself to the cultivation of modesty, receptivity, and gentleness now, and let go of concerns about the conduct of others or the progress of your worldly ambitions. Just let go of your own thing that you're trying to do and be there for others and listen and nourish and yield and accept. That's very nice. I Ching was always good to me. This is such a good book. You know, just a little 3,000-year-old Chinese text to talk about right now. Sometimes that's all you need from the most anti-superstitious man you'll ever meet. <laughs> from the biggest atheist, the biggest skeptical non-believer you'll ever meet. Just a little bit of superstition in the morning. It's real good. It's really, really healthy. Let's do the water. All right, so here at the podcast, we've been reviewing flights of water where I try to find, for example, three grapefruits. And then sometimes I can't find three grapefruits without including a combination flavor. You know, for my cucumber episode, I did a cucumber mint, I did a cucumber lemon. Um, that's, a, that's a very like um, unassertive uh, siren out there. It's like really not, okay, now it's doing it. But for a second there is, uh, it was yielding, it was nourishing, it was accepting, as far as sirens go. What was I saying? So we've, been, we've included some uh, flavor combinations. Now, what I've never successfully done on the podcast before is found three of the exact same flavor combination. Because if you're comparing apple to apple orange, then you're not really, then you're kind of comparing apples to oranges, you know? So what we have here is cherry lime from Chlorbrunn, cherry lime from Eternal Sparkling, and cherry lime from Clean Cause Sparkling Yerba Mate. It's so satisfying to do a perfect 1-1 comparison here. So we're going to start with the Eternal Sparkling. I've never seen Eternal Sparkling in anything else, but this was something I bought when I realized that I should just be buying every sparkling water I see because the sparkling waters run deep. All right. It's a plastic bottle. It's weirdly shaped. 
It's got an ugly design on it. Cherry lime. 16.9 fluid ounces. Let's smell it. Ooh, smells like cherry candy. Sparkling natural spring water. Yeah, this isn't trying to be a soda. It's not claiming to be a soda. But based on that smell, man, this is Sprite adjacent. Let's try it. Ah, yeah. Okay. It's actually very, very light in its flavor, which I appreciate. I don't like cherry as a flavor. I should have said that up front, but like, I, I just don't like the, the, the chemical that we call cherry. Because if you eat cherries, honestly, cherries don't taste like that much. They taste a little bit sweet. They taste like almost nothing. And then the chemical that we call cherry flavor is such a much stronger cherry concentrate flavor. And it's like such bullshit. There's like literally no lime in here in the mix. This is like cherry flavor. Tiny bit of sweetness to it. Zero calories, zero sweetener, zero anything. Yeah, that's uh, that's a six. That's a six right there. And then uh, Chlorbrun. So uh, again, this is something I was... Uh, this is another PepsiCo company, Chlorbrun. It's a made-up swedish word and it means clear well and i googled it there is nowhere in like nothing in sweden is called klarbrun it doesn't exist so they just made something up and yeah i don't know how i feel about that cherry lime Ooh, that's a nice strong crack wouldn't you agree so lighter smell very very similar flavor Slightly more lime forward, which makes it actually a little bit more palatable. Even though I don't care for the cherry so much, with the lime, that actually kind of makes it work. <sighs> I don't love cherry as a flavor, but that's that's actually very good. It's uh, That's a seven. Even a non-cherry person can drink that. It's not bad. Chlorbrun. So many things going on. They gave this to me for free, so I want to be nice. They are culturally appropriating by just making up words from my language. And I therefore I want to be mean. But in the end, this is a pretty decent product. Sodium-free, zero calories, naturally sourced, zero everything. Pretty good. And then the third one here is um, Cherry Lime Sparkling Yerba Mate. We've reviewed one of these before. It's not straight sparkling water. Uh, it's a mate. It's got some ingredients. It's got a little bit of sweetener yeah i haven't tried this one. Oh, that's a very like honorable crack like it's not trying to be anything uh, it's not trying too hard smell Ooh, it's got that delicious mate unctuousness to it oh that is man i love mate i'm a little bit worried though because this is 160 milligrams of quote-unquote better caffeine and it's what time is it it's 4 43 p.m right now i'm gonna be up all night Hmm, that's a very light flavor. Oh, it's a little bit like the previous one, where there's a fla there's a name of a flavor on the can, but really it just tastes like mate, and anything else is very vague. Yeah, I mean, what does that taste like? That just kind of tastes like mate. It tastes almost not at all like cherry, which is nice, because that's what I'm saying about actual cherries. This is actually what actual cherries taste like. Organic dark cherry flavor is what it contains. And yeah, that's, you're absolutely right, sir. 
if you squeezed a bunch of cherries into into some water, it would taste just a tiny bit. And that's what this is. Oh, fuck. It's good. It's really good. I mean, it's not my favorite. The previous one was better. This is an eighth, though. This is an eighth. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to keep recommending this sparkling yerba mate from Clean Cause because, man, this is delicious. Yeah, cherry lime. I mean, I'm lukewarm on it because I don't like cherry-flavored stuff, but uh, but I do like sparkling water, so there you go. Maybe that's the episode. Thanks for listening, everyone. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to This Week in Sparkling Water. That was our cherry lime review with water from Eternal Sparkling, Chlorbrun, and Sparkling Yerba Mate from Clean Cause. Which brings us to our closing segment, Sparkling Water, Sparkling Mind. For today's session, I would like you to keep your eyes open. And sit up a little bit more straight. Take a few deep breaths. And try to arrive here immediately. There's really nothing to wait for. You're here. Fall back and just notice everything. Your visual field... sounds, all the physical sensations of temperature and pressure, your entire body and all of your senses. And then just make your mind open. And just sit there and wait for a thought to arise. Don't try to empty your mind. Don't try to control anything. Just sit there and wait and observe. And eventually, a thought will come into your head. Just observe that thought. Where did that thought come from? Are you controlling the creation of thoughts? Are you thoughts? Or are you simply the space where all of these things are appearing? Where is all this coming from? <laughs> 